This is the final week of our 12-part series, Don't Be Afraid of the Ghost. Today is Question and Answer Sunday, and I just want to say thank you. we got lots of great questions for all of you who filled out a card. just want to say thank you for uh, being a part of that. The church staff, if your question doesn't get answered today, we plan on answering everyone who gave us an email address. Today we're going to look at six of your questions that incorporate several of the questions that we were asked. Uh, I realized as I was getting ready, it's kind of like you're going to hear six sermons today. So it's, uh, but there'll be little mini ones. Don't don't get nervous. You'll you'll be out hopefully around the normal time. But kind of six mini sermons. Uh, the very first question, I want to give you the answer first, and then we'll look at the question. Uh, you familiar with Jeopardy? Anybody? Yeah. Okay. There he goes. Okay. How many of you are Jeopardy fans? Can I see your hands? How many of you honestly are more Wheel of Fortune people? Yeah. I'm, spin the wheel, win money. That Jeopardy stuff, that's like intense. It's like, that's work. That's going back to school. Uh, but anyway, that's just me. But uh, we're going to answer uh, the question right now. Locate John chapter 15 with me in your Bible, and then we'll ask you the question, but we'll read the answer First, if you got your phone, get it on your phone. Got your Bible with you, that's great too. Would you stand with me if you're able, John 15? We're going to read verses 4 and 5. John 15, here is the answer, and then we'll talk about the question in just a moment. Would you uh, out loud declare God's word with me? Here we go. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's pray. Lord, my desire, my request is that each person standing today in your church would learn to bear much fruit. And Lord, I realize that doesn't happen unless we invite you to show us, show us how to do that from your word. And then it needs to be more than just knowledge, Lord. It needs to translate into action. So would you help us to do that? It's that last part that's kind of hard and challenging for most of us. So so would you help us to not just be hearers and listeners to your book today? We want to be doers. We thank you for the clarity of your word. We're thankful, Lord, that we're not left clueless and uh, don't know how to live for you. You've shown us clearly the instructions. So help us to pay attention Lord, we're all in different places today. Some of us need to be encouraged. I pray that your book might encourage us today. Some of us need instruction. We really don't know how to take advantage of this powerful present called the Holy Spirit. Some of us know how, and we need to be kicked in the pants and and challenged and convicted to actually do it. Thank you, Lord, 
that you know the number of hairs on our head. You know what's going on in our mind even right now. You know what we've been through this past week. You even, you're so awesome, you know what's going to happen in the week ahead. So would you come now and meet us today? We're ready to hear from you. We just say, speak, Lord, through the power of your spirit and the power of your word. Meet us where we're at today. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one strong voice, you can be seated. Question number, up here, give me your eyes, okay? Here we go. You're going to play along, okay, a little bit? Here we go. Question number, really? You're the late, sir. You're supposed to be awake. Is it too foggy to get coffee today? What's going on? I'll give you one more run at it, okay? Balcony, don't let me down, okay? It's question number, what is it? Oh, man, that's good. Here it is. What's the difference between the effort and the commitment that we're commanded to make daily to get filled with the Holy Spirit? That requires commitment, effort, energy. What's the difference between that and the effort to be religious and nice and moral and good? What's the difference? Because they both involve a level of commitment and energy and action. Um, I, I would argue that when we are trying to be nice and moral and religious and good, it's the equivalent of plastic fruit. And uh, plastic fruit has its place, right? Uh, if you want it to look nice somewhere, it, it doesn't uh, go bad. That's the good part. What's the bad part of plastic fruit? It's fake. <laughs> it's, it tastes awful, okay? You don't try eating the plastic stuff. And when we try really hard at being nice and good and moral, that's, that's plastic fruit stuff. Or another way of looking at it, it's wood, hay, and stubble. 1 Corinthians 3.12 talks about our, our works, our effort, our activity... Some of it winds up to be wood, hay, stubble. What's the problem with wood, hay, and stubble? It gets what? It gets burned up. So, so you did this activity. You were nice. You were working hard at being good and moral and religious. And 1 Corinthians 3.12 says, but you did it in your own power, your own strength. It's going to get burned up. You'll have nothing lasting to show for it. John 15 and verse 5, we just read it. That was a part of the answer here. Apart from me, Jesus says, we can do how much? How much can we do apart from Jesus? Answer? I, I want you to get it ground in a little louder. What can we do? Nothing. Now I say that so loudly and strongly with you is because most of us really don't believe that. I've heard it said this is the hardest verse in the Bible for us to really believe. Why? Because most of us have lived most of our lives apart from Jesus. Even after we know Jesus personally, we live most of our, our hours not connected to him. We do it in our own way. We do it in our own energy, our own power, our own strength. 
And what do we have to show with it for it long term? It's wood, hay, and stubble. That's the point. Yeah, you can live that way, but you've got nothing to show for it. Uh, our effort, our work, our determination and our own power and our own strength, it's like pushing a car. You ever had to do this? Anybody had to do it recently? How, how many of you, that's why you buy a car, because you like to push it around? Yeah, isn't this great? I love pushing my car. No, no, that's not what's, what you're supposed to be doing with a car. If you do that too much, what do you need? A new car, right? Yeah. And a lot of us, that's how we're living the Christian life. We're supplying the energy. We're supplying the power. We're, we're trying to be nice and religious and moral, and we're wondering why it's wearing us out. It'll just wear you down and wear you out. Get connected to the vine. Get connected to Jesus and get your gas tank filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the focus. You ready? My focus, pay attention to the gauge. Am I full of Jeff or am I full of the Holy Spirit? And I need to learn to find out what the difference is. Because when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, then this verse is wonderful. Philippians 4, verse 13. Once you're connected to Jesus, filled with his Holy Spirit. Want to read it with me? Here we go. I can do all things through Christ who what? He gives us the strength. And I'm not trying to push the car of my life up the hill. Jesus empowers the activity. Here's the key question that we have to keep asking. Are you connected to Jesus? Am I connected to Jesus? And daily, hourly, am I still connected to the vine? Or did I disconnect and now I'm, I'm in my own power, my own strength? My own resources. Again, key question. And that's the difference. Who's pushing the car of your life? Is Jesus empowering you through his spirit? Or are you attempting to be good, nice, and moral through your own self-effort? Question number one. Which brings us, are you awake? To question number... Ooh, you guys are good. Here we go. In the 15 fruits of the flesh... Why is pride not mentioned as a fruit of the flesh? We'll put the 15 fruits up there from Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21. And that person that gave the question, great question, is right. Uh, Pride is not one of the hideous 15 works of the flesh. However, here's what I would say. Are you ready? At root... Of each of the 15 works of the flesh is pride. And pride is a focus on I. Pride is big I, focus on me. Focus on I and what I want. Tracking with me? So so pride at root is all about I and what I want and what I need and what's happening to I. Let me give you an example here. Sexual immorality. It's one of the fruits. That's focus on pleasing me and my desires. Debauchery. Gratifying and feeding my appetites. I want to take care of me. Idolatry. I'll worship whoever and whatever I want. 
Who are you to tell me that I can't do and worship whatever I please? (laughs) That's pride. Hatred. You hurt me. You upset me. You, You got in my way in some way. And now I hate you because of that. Make sense? That's all pride. That, that's all about I, and I don't like you anymore. Matter of fact, I hate you. Jealousy, I resent what you have. Matter of fact, what you have, I want for me. I think I should have what you have. Make sense? So I am jealous of you, and I want what you have, and I don't want you to have it anymore. I want to have it instead. That's pride. Fits of rage, I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm ticked. None of us ever have that problem, right? Now you better get out of my way, because if you are in my way, I am going to smash you with rage. Drunkenness. I can put whatever I want in my body. It's my body. Who are you to tell me what I can do and can't do? I can drink, I can do whatever I want, to please myself and please my body. You understand? All the 15, uh, hideous 15, works and acts of the flesh, at the root, all of them is pride. Question number three. Thank you, Balcony. I heard you. Well done. Here we go. Uh, Why are you praying for 120 people to be spirit-filled? Are the 120 you pr- are they the only ones who are saved? And final question: Do you only want 120 people to be spirit filled? Good question. Okay. Locate the Book of Acts on your phone or in your Bible. Acts chapter one and verse 15 tells us that gathered in the upper room were 120 believers in Jesus Christ. They were told, okay, I'm ascending to the right hand of the Father. Jesus said, you go wait, and the Holy Spirit's going to come. And sure enough, go to Acts chapter 2. The church age begins, the time of the Holy Spirit arrives in Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit baptizes, baptized once, filled many, many times, Okay, don't, don't misunderstand. You get baptized with the Spirit once. They get baptized with the Spirit. They are filled with the Holy Ghost, and 120 of them experience this all together in the upper room. Okay, now I'm going to work through some verses here that are interesting. Look at verses 3 and 4. I usually do this in new members class, uh, but just you're in new members class today, okay? Here we go. Uh, it says... Verse 3, Acts 2, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of the 120 of them. Verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak to one another in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Want to learn a Greek word? Want to? Okay, I'm going to teach it to you anyway. Uh, here we go. The, the word tongues is glossolalia. Want to sound smart? Say it with me. Glossolalia. Yeah, that's the word tongues. Why does that matter? Slide down to verses 5 and 6. I want to show you something. It says, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. 
when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard their own glossolalia being spoken. They heard their own language. Same word, tongues, now is translated their own language. Uh, Verses 7 and 8, utterly amazed, they asked, uh, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Verse 8, then how is it that each of them hears them in our own native glossolalia? Same word, again, this time translated language. I thought these guys were just ordinary, plain people lived around the Sea of Galilee. How do they know my native language? That's amazing. Slide down to verse 11. Jews and converts, Christians and Arabs, we heard them declaring the wonders of God in our own glossolalia, our own tongue this time. Goes back and forth, very same word, sometimes translated tongues, sometimes translated languages. Here's, here's the point. Okay, 120 of them, they are baptized with the Holy Spirit. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now they head down into the crowd and they share Jesus and the cross and the empty tomb with the crowds in languages that they had never studied or learned. This is a supernatural thing. And the Lord enables them to speak to the crowd about Jesus and what he did for them on the cross and shedding his blood and and how he went into the tomb an early Sunday morning. But they were speaking to them in languages they never learned and they never studied. That's the idea. And and then, this this is pretty cool, after they speak to them, then Peter steps up. Look at verse 14. And Peter now preaches to the whole crowd the very same message Slide down to verse 41, and here's the result. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So it started with 120, and then 3,000 believe, and now how many followers of Jesus are there? Uh, About 3,120. And it says about, uh, that's close, Somewhere in that vicinity. So 120 become 3,120. If you slide down to verse 47, the word continues. They continue shining bright, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Lord is adding daily to their number those who are being saved. Here's what I want you to understand. It started with 120 in the upper room. And then the Lord... Uh, fills them with the Holy Spirit, and and now they're sharing brightly, and daily the message grows, and more and more people in Jerusalem become followers of Jesus Christ. And the Jewish authorities, they're they're ticked, stop it. They they try to get them to quit, quit talking about Jesus, because more and more of the Jews are saying, yes, I believe in Jesus, I receive him as Savior and Lord. And and it's just spreading like wildfire, and pretty soon the Spirit-filled church doesn't just stay confined, confined to Jerusalem, pretty soon the message spreads to Judea. And now everywhere, 
around Judea and the Jewish territories, people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. If if you keep going in the book of Acts, you might want to turn the pages here. Acts chapter 8, the message spreads to Samaria. Even the Samaritans who they despise, they're coming to faith in Jesus. In Acts chapter 9, Saul becomes Paul because he says yes to Jesus, right? And then in Acts chapter 10, Peter even takes the message to Gentiles. And now non-Jews are becoming followers of Jesus Christ. And then in Acts chapter 13, keep going with me, the message of Jesus is sent to the entire world, to the ancient world. Paul and Barnabas are sent out as the first missionaries. And everywhere they go, the message of Jesus is spreading and people are saying yes to Jesus Christ. Here's my point. The message started with 120 of them. And 120 of them got it and were faithful, and the Lord used them in powerful ways to spread them. They, they shined so brightly for Jesus. And what was the secret? Did they have any different Holy Spirit than you and I? Very, they didn't have like the eight-cylinder and we're stuck with four-cylinder, Right? Uh, we, we don't just have the Prius and they had this massive uh, tank. No, that's not how it works. They had the very same Holy Spirit you and I have. But they were faithful to get connected. And they were faithful with, to daily walk with Jesus and live for Jesus. And as they lived large for Jesus, I'm just telling you, everybody wanted it. They, uh, whatever you, that Jesus in you, I want it for me. Spread like wildfire. So, am I only interested in 120 of you diving in? Can I just say I'm looking around trying to catch all of your eyes? I'd love for everybody. (laughs) No, absolutely not. I'd love that everybody here this morning and everybody in first service and everybody at the East Jordan location. My, My desire is that all of you would say, yep, that's what I want. I'm all in. I'm diving in. Whatever it takes. But here's the reality. Go back several weeks to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Do you remember the fruit? Uh, We had a basket here, and the first basket in the fruit was John 15, 1 to 8, was no fruit. Then there was little fruit, And then there was some fruit. What what was the last basket? Much fruit. Much fruit. Let's get that verse back up there, Clint. I want to see much fruit, John 15, with all the fruit hanging. No, the much fruit, John 15, one day. I'm giving him grief today. Would you say thanks, Clint? You're doing a nice job. Yeah. Thanks, Clint. Yeah. I, I killed him with slides today. He said, you got like 40 of them. I said, yeah, yeah. I was going crazy last night. Uh, God's will is that we bear how much fruit? Much fruit. God's plan, God's desire, God's will for all of us. We'd all be in that final basket. But here's the reality. They did that survey, walked through the Bible people. Anybody remember what percentage of people said, I'm in this basket? Do you remember? It was 5%. I'd love it if we were the exception to that rule. I'd love it if 100% of us here said, no, no, I'm committed, I'm, that's my priority, that's my passion to get into the much fruit basket. 
But I, I just kept saying, Lord, I'd, I'd be pleased with 120. Because you want to know something? That 120 uh, spread all through Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria. And in time, those 120, their influence turned the ancient world upside down. You understand? So I'd love for all of us, but my prayer is, let's, let's start with 120. And Lord, if you want to go bigger than that, okay, that'd be great. But here's what I know. If 120 of us catch it and start living it, revival will spread, just spread across northern Michigan. And, and it's not going to be confined here. Question number, thank you. This, this is just kind of a, and I like, someone was thinking here, uh, why isn't humility listed as a fruit of the Spirit? It's a good question. Let's get the tree up there. Um, here's the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Um, let's, let's list them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, What's the last one? I can never remember it. Oh, yeah, self-control. Okay. But there's no humility. <laughs> that's not listed there. That, that's not a part. Uh, here's what you need to know. The Bible consistently speaks of humility, and it says to humble ourselves. We're to humble ourselves, and that's something we must choose daily. James chapter 4 Verse 10, read it with me. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And then he's going to lift you up. It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a mindset. It's an attitude of the heart. I must humble myself before the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Read it with me. Humble yourselves under the mighty hands of God that he may at the proper time or in due time. Yeah, in God's Time is the idea. Biblical humility is not groveling. I'm awful. I'm dirt. I'm nothing. I'm just going to eat worms. That, that's sometimes what we think humility is. Biblical humility is, I realize how much I need Jesus. That's biblical humility. Jesus, apart from you, I can do how much? And I really believe that. You see, if you just know it, but you don't really believe it, and you're not acting on it, how do I know if I'm acting on it? If you really believe you can't do anything, and you desperately need Jesus, then you're going to run to him daily and get connected. You're going to run to him and allow him to rule and reign. You're going to allow Jesus to take up residence and his fruit to flow. I need to daily run to you, Jesus, because I can't do it on my own. I can't live this Christian life on my own. Humility is the right attitude. Track with me. It's, it's the right focus. It's the right perspective that drives us to Jesus. And when I get connected to Jesus, then the fruit shines. So it is a part of the process. But, but it's something that we daily must choose. And if you don't daily, actively choose that humility, Jesus, I really need, I'm not going to do well without you, um, then the fruit will be missing from our lives. Question number, you're going to like this one, okay? Here we go. Uh, why don't we see miraculous works from the Holy Spirit living on us today? You know, stuff like healing and 
raising people from the dead. We haven't seen that too much. You don't see that. That's, that's a really good question. Locate Matthew chapter 11 with me in your Bible, would you? Matthew chapter 11. I uh, want to talk to you about a couple verses there, but I want to give you the setting. John the Baptist is in prison. Please understand he, he was in, in one of Herod's awful prisons. Uh, they believe it was down near the Dead Sea. It was awful. It was like in the hundreds every day. Um, it would be filthy, dirty. Uh, it, it would be around the Dead Sea. You dig down. It, it's, it's awful. It's, it's muddy. It, there's rats. There's uh, just awful disease, okay? Got the picture? So, so John, it's not going well, and he's doubting. And he sends some of his followers to Jesus, and we're in Matthew chapter 11, and and he says, "Um, would you ask Jesus if he's really the Messiah? Would you go to Jesus and say, are you really the Christ? Or should we be expecting someone else? You understand the question? Uh, Are you really the one the Old Testament predicted? Or are you just a really amazing prophet? Should we look for somebody else? That's the question. Now look at verses 4 and 5, Matthew 11. Here's the answer. Jesus says to them, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. Verse 5. The blind receive sight. (laughs) People who've never seen, they can see perfectly now. The lame walk. People who've never walked in their lives are standing up and running. Those who have leprosy are cured. They'd never seen anybody who had leprosy be cured. From The lepers are cured and healed. Uh, people who've never heard before, the deaf, can suddenly hear great. And people who were literally bodily, physically dead are raised from the dead. And the good news is preached to the poor. Those are called sign miracles. Write yourself a little note, if you need to, that Jesus performed. Sign miracles were to show John, he's doubting, to show the Jews that, yes, indeed, the Messiah that you've been looking for, and it was predicted in the Old Testament, when the Messiah comes, when the Christ, the promised one, appears, these are the things you should look for in him. Blind people receiving sight, lame people walking, lepers cured, the deaf can hear, the dead are raised, good news is preached to the poor. Jesus met all the criteria to be the Messiah. Does that make sense to you? In other words, all that the credentials the Messiah must carry, all of the things he must be able to do that the Old Testament said, This is how you'll know he's the Messiah. Jesus met all the criteria perfectly. That was the purpose of these miracles. Um, Why don't we see sign miracles like this today? Like Matthew 11, 4 and 5. Are you ready? Because the Messiah has already come. (laughs) The promised one, Jesus, the Christ has already come, and he's met all the criteria perfectly, and now he's come, and we don't have to be looking for another Messiah. 
He's already shown that he had all the credentials needed and necessary. Sign miracles were so everyone would know, yep, this really is Jesus. Johnny Erickson Tata, how many of you are familiar with her? She's touched millions of lives. She just marked the 50th anniversary of her diving accident that left her paralyzed. And she talks about when she was first injured, she desperately wanted out of that wheelchair. And uh, great interview, Christianity Today. If you Google it, you can read it. It's it's a powerful article. But she details early on uh, when she was 17 and, and just the first few years, she, she was willing to go and do and be everywhere she could go. I want out of this wheelchair, and, and I understand. So she went to a well-known faith healer, and she was saying, well, let's go. Let's give it a shot. Maybe I can get out of this wheelchair through this faith healer. And she talks about being in the wheelchair section. They put everybody in the wheelchair section. But then when they came to the conclusion and now healing was going to be happening and the spotlight came down she said all the wheelchairs got wheeled out and back in the back and, and she said I, I, I was confused and, and I kept asking why are they ignoring the ones who need healing the most how, how, how come we're in the back now uh, we're, we're the ones most in need of what you say you're offering here I quote Johnny There really are more important things in life than walking. There are more important things in life than having the use of your hands. And that is having a heart that's free from the grip of sin and pride and self-centeredness. And then she writes this. She says, anyone who's sick, anyone who's in a wheelchair, I would say, do what John chapter 5 says. Go to the elders, ask them to pray and anoint you. And sometimes God does miraculously heal. And sometimes he says, I'm going to use your wheelchair to speak to millions. Here's what you need to understand, okay? This is is basic, I know, but we miss it. We don't chase miracles. We're not called to chase after experiences. Our duty as followers of Jesus is to chase after Jesus. And as we chase after Jesus and follow Jesus, and get connected to Jesus, sometimes we're going to see Jesus do the miraculous. But I'm just telling you, if you get that off just a bit, and you start chasing miracles, and chasing after experiences, it'll take you to really strange, and and sometimes sad places. Our duty, don't, don't miss it, chase after Jesus. And then our Jesus, oftentimes... Sometimes we'll choose to do the miraculous and we'll experience that as we chase after him. Question number, here we go. How can I tell when the Holy Spirit is speaking if it's not specifically in the Bible? Okay, um, I walked across and, and I saw this homeless person. How do I know if I should give this homeless person $100 or not? Because I can't find a verse about that. Well, we've seen over the last 11 weeks we're called, we're commanded, uh, Galatians 5.18, to be led by the Spirit. Not a suggestion, command. 
Uh, Galatians 5.16, it says, walk by the Spirit. So be led by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. Ephesians 5, verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. And as we get connected to Jesus and abide with Jesus, the Holy Spirit will fill us with his presence and his fruit. Now track with me, okay? So now I've gotten connected to Jesus and I'm filled and I'm walking with him. Uh, Ephesians 5.17 says this, and when I'm controlled by the Spirit, Jesus will show us what his will is one day at a time. In, In other words, if you want to know what God's will is, are you ready? Get filled with his Spirit. And, and what's God's will for you tomorrow? Any guesses? Get filled with the Spirit. In, in other words, as you get filled and you get connected to Jesus and he's ruling and reigning in your life, he'll show you today what his plan and his purpose is for your life. Most of the time, I want like the 10-year plan, right? Give me, give me the next 10 years and lay it out nicely for me and, and I'll say, well done, thanks, Lord. Or maybe I'll ask him to make some adjustments. No, he says that's not how it works. My will for you is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, do we do that perfectly? Do we do that without error? Um, I would argue that getting and staying connected to Jesus is a lot like riding a bike. Okay, it's a skill that you learn. Sometimes you cry. There you go. Sometimes you're riding your bike and bad things happen, right? You're like the little girl and she's wobbly and she falls and she messes up. Now here's the problem. Some of us say, well, I don't like falling. So I don't think I'm going to try this riding the bike and and riding the bike with Jesus and getting filled because I might fall again. And yet God's word says, no, no, that's not. I want you to get back on the bike and get reconnected to Jesus And in time, you're going to get better. In time, you're going to learn to walk better and ride better at abiding. And you got got the dad there running next to the bike. And and he's walking and being led by the Spirit. And then pretty soon, what are you going to be able to do? Yep. Yeah, Jesus, this is fun. Okay? I'm just telling you, it's a skill. It doesn't come like that. Most skills don't. To walk and be led and be filled with the Spirit is going to take some time, some effort, and you're going to have to learn. And and we don't do it perfectly. But here's a huge key. Write this one down if you're taking notes. Jesus always leads us to do his will will be within the boundaries of his word. Everything you think the Holy Spirit is telling you will always be within the confines of the Bible. In in other words, the Lord never contradicts himself when he's leading us with his spirit. And if you think the Lord is leading you to do something that's in contradiction with his book, you didn't hear clearly. Everything he'll ever ask, he, he isn't in confusion with himself. He's not in his spirit leading us and guiding us and at the same time saying something different in his book. True story. True story. Not at this church. So you don't have to be thinking, I wonder if I know this person. Uh, I had somebody come up and say, Pastor Jeff, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty confident that I've heard the Lord say it's okay for me to divorce my wife. I said, oh, really? 
Um, what makes you think that? Well, we haven't been getting along that great recently, and, and I'm pretty sure he's given me permission to divorce my wife, true story, and, and there's this other woman that I'm pretty interested, and, and I think he's leading me to go marry her instead. Oh, okay. So uh, I said, uh, do you have your Bible with you? And he didn't, and I had mine. I said, I, I just want to read you a couple of verses and ask you how this works, because Ephesians 5 and verse 25 says that husbands are called to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Do you think this would be loving your wife like Jesus sacrificed and died for the church? And then I read to him verse 28 where it says, husbands are to love their wives better than they do their own bodies. Do you think that lines up with God's word? <laughs> and, I, and I said to him, Bill, that wasn't his name. Uh, Bill, can I, can I just say, you, you didn't hear from the Lord. You might have heard from a demon. I, I think you might have had a demon whisper this in your ear. Or I think that old sinful dog might have whispered this in your ear. I promise you, you didn't hear from Jesus. Because he'll never contradict himself. He's never going to lead you through his spirit in something that doesn't line up with his book. Four quick steps and we're done, okay? Four, four quick things, and I know we've done this, but, but I would encourage you, okay? It's going to be a while before we're back on this subject again, and, and it's how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? I just want to work you through it. It'd be great if you'd write them down because you're going to remember them better, and then you can refer back, okay? Okay? Four quick steps for us to kind of say, Lord, put them on uh, my heart, download them on my brain. Step one, recognize your need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Jesus, I've done this for years, and I don't do well when Jeff is on the throne. I, I've tried it over thousands of times. When I'm in charge, things don't go well. Lord, I need you. I, I desperately, you're welcome here. First John 1 John 1.9, step two. Make sure you confess all known sin. Make sure that you say, Lord, if there's something here that's preventing you from taking charge of these bones, would you show me? And I'm already ready to run to the cross, do the U-turn and confess. And I want you to wash and cleanse and purify so I'm back in right relationship with you. Step three, yield your life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And this is how I do it, okay? You can figure out what works best for you, but I, I see myself seated on the throne, and Jeff is in charge, and Jeff is calling the shots, and literally I, I see myself sliding off the throne and say, Jesus, would you come and sit there? Jesus, you come and be the ruler and the king and the boss of my life. Step four. Step four. Um, I'm going to drink deeply from you, Jesus. John 7, 37 says, I'm thirsty. Lord, I'm coming to you. Would you fill me up with your Holy Spirit? Streams of living water so that I'm just splashing on everybody as I go. And daily getting in that habit, walking and being led and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Final picture. Remember this one? Here's, here's the challenge. That flesh dog in most of us is bigger and stronger and meaner than our spirit dog. It's true. 
And we're just going to have to say, Lord, by your grace, I want to turn that flesh dog into the eight-pound Pomeranian. Got it? Uh, And I want to turn the spirit dog into the 200-pound Rottweiler in my life. Lord, I don't know. What am I going to have to do to start feeding and taking really good care of your spirit and getting connected? And what am I going to have to kill and starve in order to get that, that flesh dog to lose weight and be out of shape and just be a tiny puppy in comparison to the Holy Spirit. How many of you, as we close, would say, you know what? I think that's what I want. I think that's what I need. Matter of fact, that needs to be the goal. That must be the focus. That must be the, the passion of my life if that's going to happen. How many of you would say, I'm in, I'm in, I'm all in. Sink or swim, I'm diving in. And I'm just telling you, it's active, it's daily, it's a fight. You got to kill the old flesh dog. Make no room in your life for it. And you got to feed the Holy Spirit every day. Would you stand with me for closing prayer, if you're able? Lord, uh, thank you for being so good to us, your children. You're a good father. You give us the mighty gift of your spirit, and I want to pray for each member of the family here today. Would you give us a holy passion and drive to make getting filled with your spirit the priority of our daily lives? And if some things need adjustment and changed in the schedule, Lord, would you show us what what needs to take place and give us the courage to do whatever it takes? Lord, if we've been protecting the old flesh dog, would you give us clarity where that's true? Would you give us courage and strength to kill and remove any area where we're feeding and protecting our old sinful flesh? And one last time, Lord, I want to pray for 120 warriors for you. And I'm good, Lord, if you, if you want to take that and take it to 200 or 400. Lord, but, but build warriors. Might we be willing to dive in and stay committed to walking and getting connected and filled with your spirit? And I ask that that might occur so that everywhere we go in this week and month ahead will shine bright for you. (laughs) If the Holy Spirit is shining bright, I'm telling you, people are going to want what they see hanging on our lives. They're going to want the Jesus that we're reflecting upon them. Might revival break out. And start with me. Start with us. It's in Jesus' awesome name we pray.